0: Hi, I'm Pamela Wallen and welcome to another edition of No Nonsense. We're in Humboldt, Saskatchewan, uh, home of the Broncos, so always give them a moment and look at a hockey stick to uh, remember that. But we're here because there is a unique facility. It's called the Prairie Agricultural Machinery Institute. That's a mouthful. PAMI for short, which is kind of familiar to me. And there is a woman who has taken this on, she is the CEO, Leah Olson, and this is a place where um, ideas come to grow and turn into something that can be used uh, not only in this country, but, but globally. She calls herself an operational change enabler, so we'll talk about that in a moment. Leah, thank you and welcome. Thank you for joining us.
1: Yeah, well, welcome to Humble. <laughs> We're really pleased to have, have you
0: here you said that a lot of your interest in this part of it of machinery development actually comes from your own personal story your father just tell yeah. us that story
1: yeah so i grew up on a on a uh, grain farm 12 miles north of Tompkins, and most people have no idea where that is. Um, southwest. It's Southwest Corner, absolutely, right. <laughs> yeah. And so my dad invented uh, what is called a drop pin, and it is a hitching system that is used across the globe, um, and it is a standardized um Literally hedge. the pin that you put between the two? Yep. Wow. Yeah. So that was invented. <laughs> he he won uh, an innovation award at the Canada Farm Progress Show in 1987 or 88, um, and then since went on to become a, a supplier to all of the major uh, tractor manufacturers. So, you know, my dad was born and raised um, sort of consistently asking, why can we do it better? And so for myself, you know, growing up on a farm, um, you know, I, I have roots that are from a very rural area. And, you know, that's really guided me as I've been throughout my career, whether it's in Montreal, Calgary, Toronto. Um, and I feel really fortunate to um, to have the role that I do now with Pammy here in Humboldt.
0: But I think you probably were open to it. Those of us who grew grew up on or near farms or visited, the farmers had to invent stuff. It was ten o'clock at night. The machinery had broken down. They were still combining, yeah, uh, or seeding, whatever the case may be. And they, yeah, I mean there are a million of those stories. Yeah, it's just that. They have to be discovered.
1: Well, absolutely, and I think that you know part of the beauty of Saskatchewan and Manitoba entrepreneurs mm-hmm. in agriculture is that you know our our distance is both a curse and a blessing. So, you know, the scariest mm-hmm. I've ever, the scariest moment I've had is being on a combine at three miles per hour and trying to ensure that you know we're combining. It was I was canola, uh, combining canola, and you know when you're in that vastness, it's pretty clear that if something goes wrong you got to take care of it so I'm excited by the continued ingenuity of farmers because they continue to bring out products there's yeah. you know kind of the yeah. the the farmer fix um, I've heard that used in sort of a, a negative connotation Whereas I really like it. I think if the farmer fix is good enough, then let's move forward with that. And so here at PAMI, what we do is we work with entrepreneurs in agriculture equipment, but also in mining and transportation. And what we try to do is give them our engineering services and and, um, skills and expertise to help them either improve their products or to bring their product to market faster than they would otherwise. The Um, farmer fix,
0: I'm just thinking baling twine, right? I mean, that's what you did. Yeah. You held it together and then somebody invented, you know, tape. So that was a a little further on. But but, so would you, when you work with people, it might be an individual like your dad that walks through the door and says, I got an idea, but I don't know anything about engineering. This works. Can you help me make it? Yeah. a sophisticated product or a real product.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we work with entrepreneurs who have a brilliant idea, and and some of them will have a bit of an anti-engineer um, mm-hmm. take, and our mm-hmm. engineers are, um, you know, they they really rise to the occasion, um, but they also understand that, you know, when you're working with an entrepreneur, he or she has given it a significant amount of time, and typically, you know, education isn't the doesn't dictate intelligence. And right. and I think that, you know, when we're working with our clients, that we try to drop the ego and make sure that we're listening to them. And so in the case of an entrepreneur, when they come to us, you know, we want to help them solve problems. Right. We also work with the major equipment manufacturers too. So, so all big them, companies, all yeah. the big ones. Yeah, all of the big ones. And are Dear they coming case. and saying
0: we need a fix for this or we've got a fix and you Can you help us?
1: It really depends. Sometimes they'll come to us with a product that they're looking to do uh, a comparison to other Mm -hmm. similar products, their competitors. Um, And in other cases, it's they've got a specific problem. We have some really unique test equipment. And Mm. so that separates us from, um, you know, some of their internal R&D capabilities. They might not be able to have, you know, a shaker table. We've got a shaker table that um, can really help us identify where the breaking points are on different pieces of equipment, um, the mining industry—we've done a lot of work with mining and um, and also with the bus industry—and um, and so I'd say that you know our team is has a really unique expertise in you know, heavy duty off-road and mm-hmm. on-road um, equipment. And so if it runs, um, many people <laughs> will bring it to us and we try to break it. So it's, <laughs> so it's kind of an adult playground for, <laughs> yes, for no people. Kidding. I
0: mean, but you need the guys with three degrees on the wall, but you need them, as you say, to put the ego aside and say, wow, mm-hmm. that's a good idea. I didn't think of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our, our team is made up of men and women that are really um, experts in their field mm-hmm. and, and have a passion for, you know, primarily agriculture because it is the right. Prairie Agriculture Machinery Institute. But, you know, we've got a new strategic plan that has us very focused on mining and transportation. And so when we think about autonomous vehicles, for example, right. you know, mining has been doing that for quite some time, as has transportation. The auto industry is is fairly, you know, with Tesla and um, you know others they're they're fairly progressive yeah um, but you know recently when um, when I look at agriculture equipment you know the challenges we have are related to how do you get the grain in the in or the seed in the ground mm. and avoid you know a tank of gas or a tree or a power line and so trying to use the various transportation industries um, to really glean from that what we can in agriculture and see if there's some really good cross functionality in terms of the skills when it comes to something like autonomous equipment.
0: I think people who are not part of an agricultural community don't have any idea what goes on now with equipment. I mean, we all yeah. grew up at a time when, you know, the tractor and you, you hauled a piece of equipment. Now you've got million dollar combines, tractors, air conditioning, autonomous action. Yeah. They can determine what the moisture level of the soil is and therefore how much seed to be putting in with yeah. the farmer sitting there checking his email. yeah, uh, It's quite extraordinary.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that that's where the underestimation of non-agriculture people of how much technology is on the farm becomes really clear. And I, you know, in, in um, my former role when I was CEO at um, at Dot Technology. Court, right.
0: I was going to ask about that.
1: Yeah, I had um, I had a couple of, of really good um, people, very smart people that would approach me and say, you know, if the agriculture industry only understood sort of these capabilities and I would often ask them, have you been on a combine? Mm-hmm. And and you know, if their answer was no, I'd say, why don't you come out with us? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've been really fortunate to be able to help non-agriculture people see the technology that is on the farms. And, you know, for older farmers, when he or she come out to the farm and they look at and sit in the cab, you know, it's a very different uh, environment, and so for the younger people who have grown up with either iPads or, <laughs> you know, gaming, um, you know, they they're very good at manipulating the different controls, um, and and that's intimidating, I think, for for you know some of the older farmers but I've also worked with farmers that regardless of age um, that they are exceptionally in tune with the sort of technology that is required to maximize their um, their yields and so you know when it comes to variable rate recipes or you know being able to know what um, who seeded what or what what the combines are doing when to call the grain cart you know there's a lot of information that um, that is available and so for anybody that's getting into ag tech you know, if you're a technology guru, um, right. first and foremost, but you don't understand agriculture, then, you know, we, you know, I've seen a lot of people in agriculture sort of welcome them. But as soon as a tech person says, well, I know better than you do, um, it, it creates a bit of a, of a tension yeah. because they really have no idea how much technology. The
0: circumstances are so unique for farming. Yeah. But someone said recently, you know, if your kids say to you they want to get into high tech and they want to, you know, they want to go and work at Google or they want to go and work at Amazon or what mm-hmm. tell them to get into agriculture. Yeah. It's the highest tech thing going.
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well and I know, you know, on our end, um, that, you know, I was really fortunate to work with an entrepreneur like Norbert Bojo, who's the founder of DOT Technology Corp and and Seedmaster. And, you know, Norbert's vision for the future of agriculture is quite unique, and, you know, he can see that autonomous farming is coming, and I think that many others in the industry, we know that it's coming, it's not a matter of if, but when, and so when I think about the future of PAMI, where I'm at right now, you know, I want to work with clients who, we can provide them a pathway to autonomy. With our capabilities right now, we're probably about two to three years away from having that, but what that allows us to do is keep our eye on what is happening in the industry, what sort of expertise um, do we have, where do we have a gap, and then to work with the industry to ensure that our team at PAMI are leaders in, in you know whether it's electronics or it's systems integration, artificial intelligence and machine learning, um, and again that sort of speaks to the needs of both transportation, ag equipment, agricultural equipment, and in in mining. It's
0: changing the nature when you know as I was growing up in a in an agricultural community, farms were a quarter section, maybe a half section. Yeah. Now you've got farmers that are ten sections or twenty sections. Yeah. So that the big change has occurred in terms of size. I'm just wondering yeah. if, if you're feeling any resistance of farmers saying, "Look, the way we used to do it, I, I I knew where to put the seed. I don't want this autonomous seeding thing. This is my connection with yeah. the ground. Like that's a tug yeah. and pull."
1: Absolutely. Well, and I think that there's always you know a farmer um, if if she likes spraying because she can see the you know the the weeds that are coming up. Right. I mean. We have camera technology. We have radar or Correct. LIDAR yeah. and, and and a variety of other um, sorts of s- s- um, sensors that can identify what the weed is, where it is, et cetera. And so there's definitely a transition required, I think, when you're looking at um, automation and autonomous vehicles. Um, and that, I think, is kind of like when COVID... 19 hit you know many organizations weren't yet able to do video conference calls and you know zoom Correct. calls yeah <laughs> so zoom calls senate, seemed right? like yeah <laughs> absolutely well even like MPs the, yes. and the in the senate sitting during this time you know it has really demonstrated that you know there are some secure means of communicating mm-hmm. I tend to like a virtual video conference or a, vid- a video conference because I can see the individual. Right. And if I'm not there sitting across from them, I'm okay with that, but I definitely like the video. And you know, that's probably a very good example of just how quickly technology can be adopted. This was out of necessity for sure. But when I think about the farm industry and, and producers, you know, they're all the time as as we talked about earlier, they're out in the middle of what would feel yeah. like nowhere. Exactly. Sometimes no internet connection. Right.
0: So, a lot of times in rural any no internet connection.
1: Exactly. Which has all sorts of interesting opportunities. Yes. It's a for fuss, those of from us time trying. to time,
0: not if the equipment is broken down.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. So Or if
0: you have a flat tire. So it's yeah. the, it's that balancing because we also don't want to remove people from the process at all there's already a level of ignorance we're going to ignore that phone um a level of ignorance about where the food supply in this country but also everywhere actually comes from and we can't really lose that connection or I don't think we should I don't know maybe I'm just old-fashioned
1: yeah absolutely well and I think that that's what makes the agriculture industry unique is that we grow food Mm -hmm. and we we eat all of the food that we produce and so when it comes to things like the use of glyphosate um you know i'm very comfortable um with that chemical um and so you know that human connection with how food is grown and you know slaughterhouses and and whatnot i mean i think as a as a producer you're always wanting to ensure that you can still grow food tomorrow and so you know, of course a farmer is going to look after his or her land because if they don't and they don't have clean air or clean soil or clean water, I mean, the the repercussions are very negative.
0: That's the odd thing about this conversation about the environment and business or Mm -hmm. success or progress and technology, which is we need these things to run parallel. Mm -hmm. When you talk about uh, Native communities and how they want to preserve the land they also want jobs right yep. I've heard a farmer just the other day saying I'm not going to use poisonous chemicals I've got kids mm-hmm. they live on the farm like do you think I'm stupid kind of like everybody has to do have play these dual roles
1: yeah absolutely I, I remember um so I I went to university in in Montreal at, at Concordia during the early 90s and you know, something that sticks out to me is I was studying political science, Mm -hmm. and uh, I fortunately, I sat at the back of the university room and it was a classroom of probably about 150 people. And the professor at the front, we were talking about gun control. Mm-hmm. So the professor <laughs> at the front, of course, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a kid from a, f- a farm, exactly. right? And um, so the professor asks the question, you know, do you believe people should carry guns? And I, th- this is the young me, yeah. immediately my hand goes up. And again, thank goodness I, I always sat at the back of the, <laughs> the room. My hand went up, but of course he saw my hand before I could pull it down. Mm-hmm. And so everybody else was like, I was the only person right. that had put my hand up. And so then he says, so why do you believe that? And I sort of looked around and said, well, I, I, I come from a small community. I come from a farm where, yeah. you know, we can't call the RCMP right. if there was an intruder. But, but more times than not, we're not worried about intruders. We're worried about animals. Yeah coyotes and wolves
0: you know fox
1: the, yep. the skunks um yep. you know and and so what what we would do is we would you know shoot and try and scare whatever is coming um at at the livestock and then you know after that you do have to protect yourself it was probably one of the most horrific things that I ever <laughs> discovered in university all was the that, city
0: kids looked at you just oh <laughs> they
1: really did and they're like and so you know but once I explained it and and I said very clearly I come from a farm where our nearest neighbor is, you know, probably five miles yeah. down the road. They understood, like, it's not handguns that we're dealing no, with. No, and again, exactly. I don't want to get into the gun control. No, but There's it's really true things, because
0: but. it is one of the great divides in in the country. If you're living in Toronto or Montreal or even Ottawa, yeah. you have a completely different idea of what a gun yeah. is yeah. than if you grow up on a farm because it's just a tool. Yeah. It's another piece of equipment. Yeah, you have a screwdriver you have a hammer you have a combine you have a gun
1: yeah it's just well and you have livestock like you you will butcher your (laughs) yes
0: you know like yes there's a different relationship to the word kill which you know everybody else is so queasy about but again it's that connection you don't have your steak dinner unless the animal's been killed right and we don't Mm -hmm. like to say that stuff out loud but I think people have to keep that in their mind, right? This is the process. It's nature.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, you know, you. I think that's, again, where producers are doing it with humane um, mm. processes and trying to ensure that, you know, we do have a very safe and secure food supply chain. And, you know, we're very fortunate in Canada. We have never had... Of food shortage. Right. Um, the closest we've come is probably COVID-19 yes. where, you know, there was hoarding that was occurring. Right. And for good reason, you Yeah, know, people were worried. But
0: honestly, there wasn't a shortage of toilet paper, but everybody thought there would be.
1: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So when
0: you think about the next, I mean, I know people walk in your door and they bring you ideas, but are, do you think about this in terms of trends or phases so yes you have individuals or companies coming in and saying here's a fix here's a new idea this would change it but what's the next big picture thing Mm -hmm. are we there with you know as you say in the next couple of years autonomous farming to some degree is that the phase we're now going into
1: I believe it is there's you know, I guess with Pami, we have to be careful not to be too far ahead of industry or mm-hmm. or our clients. Um, so on my end, you know, with my recent experience with autonomous equipment and sort of being on an on advisory boards of of some tech companies, mm-hmm. that um, you know there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are trying and and they're you know they're they're doing what they can to enable autonomous equipment and so there's no doubt on my end that there will be mistakes made but those mistakes lead to bigger aha moments down the road Mm -hmm. so when I think about where you know the transportation industry is mining and agriculture equipment um, again it's not a matter of if autonomous equipment is coming it's a matter of when and how so, our goal is to you know work with our clients and ensure that we have the proper skills to help our clients get their products developed quicker than they would otherwise, and also you know make their mistakes cheaper and faster if we right. can
0: and without and, and finding some way for them to continue to connect. It's not like they're going to sit in the house. yeah, they're still going to have a relationship, whether they're sitting on a computer or yeah. you know guiding yeah. this to some extent. Um,
1: How many people work here? We currently have approximately 50 people.
0: That's a, you know, that's a good size.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we have a lot of people that are very passionate about, you know, the work that they do. Um, when I came on board in April as the new CEO, <laughs> my vision was for a new strategic plan. I had been on um, Pammy and Pammy. I'm president and c- I'm CEO of Pammy, but I'm also president and CEO of West Test, which is a sister organization of okay. Pammy. Um, and so when I came on board, I'd already been on the West Test board as a director and an acting chair. So I was familiar with the people, was familiar with the types of work that Pammy and West Test do, and mm-hmm. really excited because. Of the legacy that uh, PAMI has enabling great greatness in in agriculture specifically, so when I came on board, you know, it was with the intent of you know developing a strategic plan and, and um, the board is very good. They gave uh, uh, they approved uh, a strategic plan very early on in my in my tenure, um, and so that strategic plan has us doing five things and five things really well. One is um, to be operationally excellent. The second one is that um, we will grow our agriculture revenues so be a contributor there. Mm -hmm. The third is to be recognized as as a leading voice in agriculture equipment. And the fourth one is to ensure that we understand what our customers are doing and to listen to that voice of the customer. And then the fifth is to diversify our skills and Mm -hmm. our revenues. So that's where the transportation and mining comes in. so that's kind of what I thought was going to be, you know, my biggest challenges and opportunities. And then with COVID-19 hitting, um, it exasperated um you know, things on our end. So we mm-hmm. are we we service clients and as a result of sort of the contracting economy, um, we saw our revenues um, go down. Right. And so we temporarily laid off uh, nine people in early June. And you know, in Humboldt the size that it is and in Portage where our other facilities Yeah, is, that's, a, that's it that's it it's it a hurt. hit. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, what what we're doing is trying to ensure that as the economy strengthens, that we are positioned well to take on that work and hopefully welcome uh, the temporarily laid off people back into the office because we want to give meaningful Mm -hmm. work to people.
0: So what's the craziest invention somebody's ever presented you with? Is there something off the wall that turned out being... Into something that really makes sense, like
1: your dad with the hitch. I mean, that's pretty strange. Yeah. Well, and there was maybe you can't say this because you don't want to offend anyone. Well, you know what? I um I can't tell you who the client is. Yes. However, we are working with a client who, um, recently, one of the engineers had said to me, "Oh, I don't know if this is going to work," and I said, "You know, but you're in the in the business of." resolving problems and, mm-hmm. and making things better. So if you switch your mindset a bit, because he said, I don't think this is going to work. And right. I said, just put on a you know a yellow hat or whatever yeah, hat yeah. it is, right? Yeah. Like don't wear the black hat, which yes, is just exactly. say no to everything. Yeah. And so I said, why don't you try that? At any rate, um, I think he kind of thought I was crazy, or he <laughs> per- perhaps still does. <laughs> um, but they had an aha moment, um, right. our, our, our team did. And it was great to see because... Initially, you know, like engineers are trained to tear things apart right. and to, you know, put them together in a very systemic, perfect way. And so when something's not perfect, I think it irritates them. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and <laughs> you know, that's great yes. because our team is then driven to, to greatness. And yeah. so when they, when they were they, they did some testing, and it turned out, and it worked really well. And so we had a bit of a celebration that week because, yeah. you know, again, in in light of sort of the economy contracting and yes. sort of negative job losses. You needed losses good news. Yeah. We needed some good, good news, news. And, and the team really was great that way.
0: Over the years, I've always – tried to, it's, it's some, it's one of the hardest things to capture. Like you talk about the aha moment and I know that, I mean, cause it happens to us in different mm-hmm. ways, not just in invention, but to talk to people who are, it doesn't matter whether they're scientists or whether they're authors who are looking for that final chapter or what is the denouement or, you know, they find that moment that it, it, it's hard. It's really hard to describe or capture creativity, mm-hmm. but it's at the core of this. mm mm-hmm. Yeah, your brain has
1: to work a certain way. It it absolutely does. And you know, I'd say I'm I'm really fortunate. I've worked with some really good entrepreneurs and I'm I'm MBA trained. <laughs> so You've had to but, overcome it. Like Yeah, yeah. And you know, I mean, my my dad, I would say I give him a lot of credit here. He's like, just because you have an education doesn't mean you're smart. Yeah, yeah, so don't absolutely. forget that, Leah. Yeah. Um but but on the same time, I mean, it does give me a systemic approach to certain business challenges. And right. so, you know, my goal is to um, enable the greatness of others and you know, to help them with that creativity because as much as I probably, I, I'm, you know, I will look at something and think, oh, well, it probably can't work because of X, Y, and Z. But, you know, an entrepreneur will look at it and say, well, why can't it work? And, you know, if I make a mistake, I make it at 100% and I'm all right, I'll just move on. Yeah. So, you know, I admire and I like working with people like that. I remember talking to
0: a scientist and he's, he was trying to deal with this question. He said, the most important part of any painting is its frame. Mm. because without the frame you don't know what you're looking at or whether it's upside down or and and I've always thought of that that that's how the mind works somehow you've got to see that problem in its frame so that you know what you're looking at Mm -hmm. and then you can start to resolve this but I like your your notion that the uh, the engineers are some kind sometimes resistant to things that don't work they want perfection
1: yeah, and our team is, you know, our team of engineers, we've got a lot of engineers on on yeah. st- on staff and you know, they are they are brilliant. And <laughs> so, you know, we've got a good mix of people that are, you know, consistently they they take it to the next level. And so if a client says, "I want, you know, x our team is so dedicated to excellence that they'll say well i'll do x to the power of two yeah and you know that um it doesn't matter what your training is that sort of passion is hard to come across and do you feel like i mean i've driven past
0: this building probably i don't know three thousand times in my life Mm -hmm. if somebody asked me what pammy was i wouldn't have known are you on the
1: map well, I sure hope so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, you know, that's a, a, a part of my challenge right. is to raise awareness of the great work that our team does and the types of skills and capital assets we have for testing because we're very unique in not just the prairies but mm-hmm. in Western Canada. So, you know, definitely the next time you come through, please stop um, <laughs> for any of your listeners. I'll, just, would I'll be... just point people over yeah. there.
0: No, it's really, yeah. you don't know that these little hubs of, you know, not only intellectual activity, but very pragmatic activity. You're just mm-hmm. going on. You're just driving past them, and then, you know, you're going to go to the store or the yeah. gas station or whatever it yeah. is. Like, it's it's a wonderful story.
1: Yeah. Well, in our, like, we have an Arctic test center where we can get the temperature down to minus 40, and we can hold hey, it there. we can do that anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <you do? laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not really unique in Canada, I guess, hey? <laughs> but we can do that in the summer. And right, right. you know, for certain types of testing, like that's that's a really exactly. unique sort of thing because if you want to sort of test the limitations of is it going to work? Is it going to it going break? Yeah. yeah. Like you need to have a controlled environment for for those. So I think that's where also our capital assets yeah. um position us differently relative to say you know, a university. We we do collaborate with the universities. Right. Our approach on intellectual property is we want to help our clients um, with better intellectual property, and so we don't have our our, our policy is, it's your intellectual property. It's yeah. not ours. Whereas
0: the universities always want to take it.
1: They do. Yeah. And and they they do licensing and things like Correct. that. Whereas we we don't do that. We haven't. So
0: that's a really interesting approach. Mm-hmm. So the person that I mean, corporately, obviously, if you're dealing with big manufacturers, they're going to insist on that. But if yeah. if Farmer Joe comes in, yeah, who's just invented something, that's a really important thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: What an amazing story! How's yeah. Humboldt to live in?
1: You know, it's um, it's been. Fabulous! Uh, because of COVID nineteen, I haven't been able to get to know people, so I've walked the streets quite a bit. And uh, <laughs> but there is a really great um, bakery here, the the Danish Oven, and you know it's a, a great community. I'm a big. We don't want to tell anybody,
0: them. but there's actually stuff from that bakery kind of sitting in front of us. So <laughs> don't be jealous. We'll discuss it later. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: No, you will find that you know. I mean, you came from a very very small town but Mm -hmm. then you go off and live in cities I feel the same way there's there's nothing like you know you you feel a community you sense it
1: Yeah. yeah absolutely well and it's you know my hope is that when things open up that you know I can be a part of the community in a, in a positive way. I've, I've coached a lot of rugby over the years. And I read that. Yeah. We don't, my husband and I, we don't have kids, but, um, but and I, he's a farmer. He is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a farm manager for, for a, a, a very large operation. Okay. So, yeah.
0: well, it's a sports town. So mm-hmm. here comes rugby.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'd love it if I could coach some, some rugby, cause I think it's a great. That's uh, just
0: wonderful. It's So, sport. so nice to meet you. Yeah. I have other friends who've said, you've got to meet this woman. She's just so you know dynamic she's just so present and we need people who are present to rebuild these communities after not after COVID yeah Yeah. thanks so much Leah
1: well thank you for coming and please come back again (laughs) we will
0: so that was Leah Olson a visionary leader she is CEO of Prairie Agricultural Machinery Institute PAMI it's a place where people come with their ideas and uh and they're made real for them. So thanks for the conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm Pamela Wallen. And we'll see you soon for another edition of No Nonsense.